Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the fall! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une place devant. Et c'est la bonne You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked the young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast. And even after 20 years, I can make mistakes because this is a new world for me. This is a couple of years in the podcast world. And for whatever reason, the mute button was on. It's not on anymore. I took it off because they told me to take it off. All right. The sick podcast brought to you in part by La Bitta TV, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. And also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, who gave me this water bottle. And I appreciate it. They are a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. To all of you watching on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter Live, thank you very much for joining me tonight. And Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca will join me as well tonight. He is a regular contributor on Monday nights. Last week, the Canadians played on Monday, so he didn't join me because he was working. Tonight, they're not playing. They're off. Of course, they're playing tomorrow when they're going to host. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who beat the Montreal Canadiens by a score of 5-3 to three on the weekend, minus Jonathan Drouin, who was actually in the lineup but didn't play at all. And this is the big story surrounding the Canadiens right now because everyone seems to have an opinion with what happened with Jonathan Drouin. Did Marty St. Louis make a rookie mistake by benching um, Jonathan Drouin on a night where he needed to have Drouin in the lineup to have enough players? Uh, I, I, I worked with um, Jean-Charles Lajoie earlier today on radio, BPM Sports and television, TVS Pod, and he believes that it was, quote-unquote, a rookie mistake by Marty St. Louis because he believes the message would have been better served if Jonathan Drouin would have played on Saturday but would have been a healthy scratch on Tuesday night versus the Lightning at home at the Bell Center. I think when something happens, when you break a rule, a team rule, a coach's rule, well, there are consequences. You pay the price, and you pay it right away. And I think the way Jonathan Drouin paid the price on Saturday night, um, actually being benched instead of being scratched for me is adding insult to injury. And if you really want to get your point across, uh, I could imagine that, you know, it's tougher to actually be benched an entire game than it is to be scratched an entire game. I personally have no problem with the decision that Marty St. Louis took, but I find it interesting that people have different opinions. I know my buddy, Narma Flynn, and I wish I could have him on, but right now I just can't. Um, Not my doing. Um, 
but uh, he's got a different opinion, and uh, he thinks that uh, this was not the right decision uh, by Marty St. Louis, and he thinks it should have been handled differently by the leadership group. Um, anyway, everyone's got an opinion, and I'm sure Eric Engels has his as well, as sportsnet.ca, and he joins us right now. Good evening. How are you? I do have an opinion. How are you? Good, thank you. I hope so you have an opinion, because if you're not going to have an opinion, what are we doing here? I have several. I mean, I, I can only stare at your painting so many times and tell you I love it uh, so many times, you know? But uh, yeah, it's by been the a way, while. you were on vacation, were you not, last week? No, I wasn't on vacation. I was at the GM meetings in Florida and did a lot of work out of there and reported some interesting stories and then went and did the game in Florida, which was a pretty crazy thing that I think okay. inevitably, considering what happened with Florida tonight, we should come back on at some point. Okay. But um, I came home Friday night instead of going to Tampa Bay because it was my 40th birthday and we had a little party. So, oh, fantastic. That's Happy why I came. Birthday. Happy birthday. Well, I saw some pictures from Florida. So you, you correct me if I'm wrong, even though you were working, there was time to, to go to a restaurant and have a lovely meal. I saw you in lovely company, by the way, Eric. Yes. Some of the loveliest company I've ever seen you in. I don't even know if I'm allowed to It's the to same that, company I've been, in, I've been in with for a number of months, my girlfriend Emily, and she was able to come on this trip, which was nice. And uh, whenever we had some downtime, we spent it together. But it was, a, it, was a, it was a work trip, and there was plenty of work to do and reported some interesting stories from the GM meetings, less yes. to do with um, the actual content of their meetings. Yes. Um, you know, one of them was about how there's a, there's a ban now on people foreign to Canada on buying land, much to do with foreign investors buying property um, just as investments, essentially mm -hmm. jacking up the prices of the housing market. There is a law that came into effect that doesn't enable Americans or Swedish people or Russian people or anybody who's not Canadian to buy land unless they filed taxes here in three of the last four years. And um, it's, it's an issue that nobody was really talking about down there, but I spoke to the Canadian GMs about it and they're, you know, expressed whatever concerns they have about it. And I spoke to some high powered agents who expressed their concerns about it. And we'll see if the NHLPA steps up and tries to lobby the Canadian government for an exception because the, the players here and they're not looking to be treated special. They're on work visas. They're here to work and they should have the opportunity to buy housing uh -huh. while they're doing it to put their family. The reason this came up, um, is because uh, an agent by the name of Dan Milstein made a big stink about it when it was enacted on January 1st. And Matthias Eckholm was traded to Edmonton and has two kids and a wife and wanted to buy a home in Kent. And he's under contract for another three years. So the, the housing ban is in yeah. effect for two years. And we'll see if the NHLPA lobbies to try to get an exception. I know there are a number of work groups around Canada they're yeah. trying to do that for foreign workers who are contributing well to our economy and, and want the opportunity to potentially buy land here and live here. Dan Milstein represents, among others, Alexander Romanov, does he not? Yeah, he, he represents a lot of Russian clientele. He represents yeah. some American and Canadian. He represents Vander Kane. Um, and he was pretty outspoken because he's got a couple of clients who signed in Vancouver who he you know was hoping would be able to have at least the opportunity to buy something, but he wasn't the only one. You know, I, I spoke with Ken Hughes, I spoke with Pierre Dorian, and I spoke mm -hmm. with uh, Don Meehan and several other agents, and everybody expressed the same concern, that they understand the law and why it was put in place. But, um, you know, they think it'll be something we're talking about come July when unrestricted free agents have the opportunity to choose wherever they want to go. And we know there's a number of reasons why Canada kind of falls second fiddle. We're, we're entering into another year post-1993 without a Canadian team winning the Cup. Maybe that changes by the end of this spring. 
Um, but if it doesn't, you know, the conversation will continue to dominate that there, there are issues with fielding as competitive a team in Canada as the United States uh, is able to do with all their various teams. So this doesn't help that situation. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a breaking point. Like Don Meehan said, it's one consideration. It's not the be all end all in terms of decisions that free agents have to make. But when you hear stories like that about a guy like Matthias Eckholm, who just, you know, got traded to Edmonton and wants to buy a house for his family to live in, uh, you know, it's okay. He's got the money to rent and everything, but you know, some people don't want to just give away money through rent. They want to be able to have property that belongs to them. Of so course. It's, 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 it's an issue that, wasn't necessarily on everybody's radar while we were down there. Yeah. I didn't think that the issues that they were discussing were particularly, as they called them, tweaks. They weren't all that exciting. Um, and I thought, you know, this is a good opportunity to speak to some of the Canadian GMs about what could end up being yet another disadvantage for them in that game. Yeah. And uh, it, it is a huge disadvantage for the players should they not be able to buy property in Canada because, I mean, without being a uh, an expert here, of course, we know that uh, every 18 days or so, Eric, they're paid in U.S. dollars and uh, – you know, they'll get more than 30 cents on the dollar for their money and they'll buy housing here. And And the trend is, is that real estate goes up. Uh, I mean, slowly but surely, it always does. And if you're going to sign a three, four, five, six, seven, eight year deal to play in Canada, well, you know, once your contract is up and, and you, you move on to another team or you end up retiring, you want to flip your house, you're going to end up making a couple of million dollars on the sale if you're buying the kind of houses that they usually buy. And at that point, it's almost like making back some of the tax money that you ended up giving. So there's just there's another reason why some players now don't want to play in Canada, which is which sucks for Canadian teams. But, you know, Eric, a lot of fans think that the National Hockey League, they, they you know, they favor U.S. teams. And uh, this is something that, uh, once again, hurts Canadian teams. It really right. does. It not sucks. the NHL, not the NHL that did it. And again, you know, when no, you no, of course investment not. and returns on your dollar, obviously that's the reason this law is in place. And it's a reasonable law to be able to protect the Canadian housing market so the Canadians can afford to live here and buy their houses. And uh, I think we all know there's some, there's some foreign investors that have come in and bought a property that have no intention of ever living here. And that's the reason that the Canadian government passed this law. Now, when you have people that are here on legitimate work visas and are legitimate workers, um, there should be some sort of proviso in there that that takes care of them, at least in my opinion, whether or not yeah. the Canadian government is going to be flexible about that. I haven't heard of any exceptions so far to the rule, aside from the ones that they had, which is that if you're a refugee, you would be exempt. If you're a Canadian not living here but want to buy property here, you would be exempt. And if you are on a legitimate work visa and have been here for three of the last four years or filing taxes in this country, then you would be exempt. But you think about a free agent who's coming from the United States and coming here for two years, mm -hmm. that might not be a possibility. Well, it right, as of right now, it's not a possibility. For yeah, that I hear you. It's, it's something we're going to talk about when we get closer to the free agent period. I'm sure of that. Yeah. What else were some of the interesting stories that came up in Florida? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Obviously, the tweaks that the NHL is considering are, are, are interesting in terms of enacting a coach's challenge. I think that was put in place, obviously, related to any play involving a goal, whether it was goaltender interference or offside. Now we're talking about potentially applying that to the rules. And when you get into that, you know, it's it was the initial concern with video replay and coaches challenge to begin with that you're opening Pandora's box that all of a sudden every penalty some, you know, becomes something subject to review and we're slowing down the game uh, by a great deal. I like, you know, and Kent Hughes was in favor of this and, and the guys that I spoke to were in favor of this, that you just leave it as a coach's challenge. That if you 
you know, and what we're talking about, those penalties specific are friendly fire high stick. So you get high stick by a teammate and the, the opposition is going to the box and that's wrong. They want to get that out of the game. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, they don't want to see it happen in game seven of the Stanley Cup final. The other is uh, an erroneous um, puck over glass of which out of 225 calls that have been made regarding puck over class, apparently only three of them have been wrong this season, according to Stephen Walken, who's the director of the official officials. So like Ken Hughes said, make this a coach's challenge because if you know, you, you can't do it unless you're going to be a thousand percent sure that you're going to, mm-hmm. otherwise you're going down five on three, right? You're getting the puck yeah. over class penalty and you're getting a delay of game penalty. So yeah. I, I, nothing will change between now and the end of the season. But um, I could see them passing this through the competition committee and the NHLPA and potentially enacting it so that they don't end up in a situation where a playoff game or a meaningful game happens down the stretch of the playoff run and teams trying to make the playoffs and a puck over glass is called that actually got deflected and Mm -hmm. one of three calls all year that was wrong, but it's such a pivotal moment and such a heartbreaking penalty that nobody wants to see that. And I like what Colin Campbell said on the subject. Like he said, you know, I'd I'd rather – I'd rather get it right and delay the game by five minutes than get it wrong and talk about how we messed it up for five weeks. He's right. And and I think the GMs see the value in that. We, we don't know if there's imminent or immediate change coming. There's definitely not immediate change coming. They won't change it between now and this, the, the end of the playoffs as far as we know. But that was one thing that came out of the GM meetings that was the main topic of discussion in terms of the game. Obviously, the other is the salary cap and where that's going. Yeah, not, It might go up. If I take a look, uh, one quick look at what's going on on YouTube Live right now, a lot of people watching us and they're watching in big numbers are wondering about the playoff format because, you know, uh, there's been talk of, of a format. We know what's going on right now with, uh, with uh, you know, there used to be one versus eight. At one point, there used to be one versus 16. There's a different kind of format now where second place three in each division. There's wild cards and all that stuff. Was there any talk at all at the Board of Governors meeting regarding the playoff format? Yeah, the GM meetings, and it's okay. Everybody calls them the yeah, Board of GM Governors meetings sometimes. Yeah. But, but um, no, not really outside of you know media asking Gary Bettman about it since it came up at the All-Star game and him basically yeah. saying everything's perfect and dandy, which is you know classic Gary Bettman. Um, I also did speak to... Um, you know, Kelly McCrimmon of the Vegas Golden Knights, who's in yeah. a premium position with 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 the Knights, and he said he likes it the way it is too. So Gary Bettman is not alone in that. Yeah. Um, but the players that express their interest in going back to a one eight two seven kind of format, yeah, are not alone either. And and there's a lot of people that support that because look at the playoff picture this year, right? Like Tampa and Toronto have been locked into a series. They're two of the top five teams in the NHL, and one of yeah. them is gone after the first round of the playoffs. And like, it's a great way to create a rivalry, though, to that defense, though, right? It, it, it is, but like, would the rivalry yeah. not be there otherwise? Like, I don't, I, you know, I understand rivalries. I, are, I don't think it would be there otherwise, Eric. I think, they're, I think they're built over time and over meetings in the playoffs. Um, they're definitely reinforced in the playoffs and get to a whole other level. But, you know, let Toronto and Tampa play each other in round two of the playoffs. Like, you know, after first round, have two of the top five teams in the NHL, which is currently the structure, two of the top five teams in the NHL who have put up the two of the five best regular seasons in the NHL are going to be out after the first round. And if it's yeah. Toronto, by the way, I'm sure a lot of Montreal fans will be spiking the football about that. But, like, 
Toronto has done everything to position themselves in a place where they should have the advantage of having a better regular season than other teams. And they ain't going to get one. They're going to get the two-time Stanley Cup champions who fell two games short of making it three. Like, yeah, that's that's if you were a Montreal Canadiens fan and they were yeah. in that position, I'm pretty sure we'd be hearing from you on the issue. Mind you, I wouldn't bet against Tampa, but I have to say, based on a couple of games I've seen this year, this Tampa is not the Tampa of the last three years. But yeah, the players are still there. The coach is still there. They obviously have playoff experience. They obviously know how to win. I wouldn't bet against them. A shutout. I'm, I'm with you, too. I wouldn't bet uh, against them, either. Yeah, to major poker festivals, which are back at Playground. The March Million features 10 ring events and a million dollars in guaranteed prize pools, including a 400000 guaranteed main event play in Playground's March Million Poker Series from March 23rd to April 2nd. Visit playground.ca for details. A quick hello to Frank Consolo who is uh, watching over YouTube Live. Hello, Frank. I hope you're doing okay. And uh, Christopher Rules Francois um, wants to let you know, Eric, that he is a huge fan of Marty St. Louis. And in his world, Marty St. Louis' three-year contract with the Canadians would be extended to an eight-year deal. He's a big fan. He believes that Marty St. Louis could end up being one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League for a very long time. I I, um, I don't know what to say to that. It'll be proven over time if that ends up being the case. The one thing about Marty St. Louis that he's shown throughout his entire career playing or coaching-wise is that the thing that he does best is get better. And, um, you know, he came in with no arrogance whatsoever about his position. He understood that he didn't have the experience to be mentioned above, uh, you know, certain coaches that would be considered the best in the game. Yeah. But he is dedicated and absolutely in love with his job and willing to put in whatever it takes to become the best. And I don't think yeah. it will stop, you know, from my evaluation from pretty close into it, you know, I'm 10,000 feet above when I write and I'm at the bell center and watching everything from that vantage, but I am pretty close to it with Marty St. Louis on a daily basis and building a relationship with him and getting to know him quite well. And what makes him tick. Um, beyond just the press conferences that you see. Yeah. And um, it's almost impossible not to believe in the gospel of Marty. Um, he, he is a brilliant guy. You you take your own observations and you counter them with what the players who are coached by him have to say about him. And they believe he's, you know, a lot of them, the best coach that they've ever had. We'll find out when the games matter enough that the measuring stick is way higher. Um, and the pressure's on and how he deals with that. But this year was fundamental in terms of teaching him certain lessons that he can grow from. And you look at what happened in December. Yeah. You know, like I just did an interview. That was another thing that I did, you know, while I was away at the GM meetings, I did an interview with Kent Hughes. Yeah. And, um, you know, he talked about how during December, he wasn't sure that this was a good environment for young players to be in developing. But it was an incredible environment for this coaching staff to be developing in. They learned a lot over that time. And what they learned is how they can turn around a funk like that quicker so that when they are in a position where it matters, they'll actually be able to do it. And, um, you know, I think this latest example, which I know you want to get into with Jonathan Drouin. Yeah. I'd love to hear what you think about it. I have pretty strong opinions on it myself. So I'm sure we're headed there. Okay. So I'll give you that in just a second. And by the way, 
I got a laugh out of uh, Rolls Christopher Francois because I actually made that up, okay? I've told him that I'm going to block him if he keeps hammering away at Marty because he's not the president of the Marty St. Louis fan club. So he's one of the uh, the few on the chat who isn't. Uh, most people seem to love Marty, and I love Marty because I think he's the perfect coach for this situation, which is a rebuild, which is working with young players, which is an onus on player development, which actually winning is not really winning games, but more so winning the day by getting better and progressing I mean, every day. I'm, I'm all for criticism. If people have their criticism from Marty St. Louis, I'd love to hear yeah. what it is. I'd love to yeah, know no, what, what that opinion is based on and why anybody would think that way about it. Um, they don't have the privilege of speaking to him on a daily basis. Um, they go by what they hear and what they see, and and everybody has is entitled to their opinions. I'm mm -hmm. just curious what would drive somebody's opinion to suggest that Marty's not a good coach. You know, like I I haven't seen the evidence yeah. so far. He's made a an AHL team for the most part. I mean, I was at practice today. Okay, the first line of the Canadians was Nick Suzuki, Raphael Harvey Pinard, and Alex Belzil. Okay, yeah, they're competing. It, with the exception of a handful of games this season, they're competing. They have won over 20 of them in a mm -hmm. season where anybody who would have looked at their roster on paper and been forced to make a bet that their life depended on never would have suggested that, A, they'd win over 20 games, and B, that they'd be competitive in the rest of them. Like, it's just look at what is going on there. They have the most injuries yeah. in the NHL, and it's, you know, I think that the, speaking of the guys today, yeah. About, how as a reporter, you know, I go into every season, and it's like the training camp takes forever. The first mm -hmm. 20 games fly by, you get to game 30, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can't believe there's 50 more games of this. And and then before you know it, you snap your fingers and you're yeah. at game 70 and there's 12 left. And what's it like for them? And like yeah. Jake Allen's saying to me, you know, it could be long and it could be terrible in the situation we're in. Yeah, but this year has been amazing because of the culture that's been built and the effort yeah. that's there every day. And you can't believe how fast it's gone. And so yeah. when you hear stuff like that, I think that is a reflection of what's happened with the coach and what he's been able to install this year and what yeah. the objectives were, which were exactly that. Build the culture, develop the players, develop the brand of hockey. And those things have happened. So we're going to get to Marty St. Louis and uh, Jonathan Drew in just a second. But before we do, and I keep saying that, there's always just something to talk about. That Before we do, you brought up Raphael R.V. Pinar's name. Uh, look, I don't know all the ins and outs of the entire conversation. I don't know how everything went down. But um, Raphael R.V. Pinard uh, left his agent, Chad Levitt, and, uh, from Cutting Edge Management and uh, has signed on with Philip LeCavalier of uh, Cortex Management. And um, you can understand hockey players wanting to sign on with Phil LeCavalier, who's obviously the brother of Vincent LeCavalier, who's Kent Hughes' right-hand man of Cortex Management, in which Kent Hughes was a partner. So if anyone would sign on with that organization, especially if you're a Montreal Canadiens player, it makes a lot of sense. You could understand it. You got to feel bad for Chad Levitt. Once again, I don't know the entire story. I really don't. I know nothing about it. The only thing I know is that Raphael RV Pinard wasn't drafted his first time around. He was drafted his second time around. I think he was drafted in the seventh round or something like that. I don't have his hockey database in front of me. Third time. But the, 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 the guy who believed in him was Chad Levitt. 
and he signed them. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he basically went through the, all the trials and tribulations of being a young hockey player, trying to make it to the National Hockey League along with his client. And he makes it. And he finally makes it to the Montreal Canadiens. And his contract is up at the end of the year. And, um, you know, he's going to sign a new contract. And you would think that he'll probably have a one-way and be with the Canadians next year. I, I, he would have earned it. And um, this agent who's young, who's trying to make his way, has now lost his most significant client. It's What a tough business that is, man. It's a tough business. Yeah, listen, you're catching me off guard. I wasn't aware. Um, yeah. You know, I know Chad very well. He's a very good guy. And this isn't the first time this has happened with him. He's had other clients where, you know, they've been on the cusp and, and they're like Boko Imama. Uh, and, and all of a sudden somebody who's a, a big fish in the bowl has, has swooped in. Um, yeah. This is this game. It's cutthroat. This is the capitalist world that we live in. And uh, I don't have anything in terms of insight to share on how or why this happened. I know their relationship was really strong yeah. At the end of the day, players look out for number one, which is what they have to do. They have a very finite wi window to earn, you know, their career nut, so to speak. And yeah. if if Raphael Harvey Pinard felt as though his best opportunity to do that would be with somebody else, um, I'm sure whatever, however that decision came about without speaking to him or Chad, uh, that that was probably a very difficult decision to come by considering how much support Chad Levick gave to Raphael Harvey Pinard. So I'm wishing the best for, for, for Chad, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who cares a great deal about his clients and his people. And, and, you know, is is you know, it's, that's uh, you caught me off guard. I'm, I'm surprised to hear it just knowing the relationship between the two. But yeah. At the end of the day, you know, this, this business will, will eat all of us up in one, one respect or another. And I, I know Chad is yeah. a dude and he'll, he'll bounce back. I hope, I hope so for him. And, uh, you know, Phil LeCavalier is a fine person and he's a fine agent, but you know, this is the way it is. You know, you talked about it, the, the big fish usually ends up eating up the small little fish, but, uh, hopefully there's room for the smaller fish in this business. That is a very, very difficult business. And Chad was the president of the Raphael Harvey Pinard fan club. And I, I would imagine it's a difficult time for him, but you know, here's hoping that he finds two more Raphael RV Pinars. All right. Okay. So we'll move on with that. Uh, a couple of days ago, Marty St. Louis goes to the media and he tells them a couple of things about Jonathan Drouet and uh, missing a meeting. Let's hear from Marty St. Louis. It's important. You should be constant with that. You don't choose when the culture is important. It's always important. All right, there you have it. Uh, there was another clip as well. I thought we had it, but uh, he basically said Jonathan Drouin was late for a meeting and there's, you know, he missed the meeting and there's going to be consequences. All right. So now on Saturday night, they play the uh, the Lightning in Tampa and Jonathan Drouin is on the bench the entire game. And here's Jonathan Drouin with members of the media after the game. Um, C'est mon avis à Manu Nationale, ça m'a jamais arrivé dans ma, dans ma carrière. Euh, c'est pas que ça arrive sur toi, t'aimes pas, mais c est, c est, on a des règles d'équipe, des choses où tu suis. Euh, peu importe c'est qui, je serais, la même réaction, que ce soit quelqu'un d'autre, ça, ça arrivait à moi. Euh, 
Tu sais, tu continues à vivre, tu continues à bouger avec ça, puis je pense que le support d'un coéquipier avec tout ça, tu sais, c'est la première fois que ça m'arrive en avant. Marty St. Louis, uh, you know, wanted to basically stress that the, there was a culture that was put in and there was a team rule and you have to respect the team rule and you have to respect the culture. And there's there's no negotiating on that. And then Jonathan Drouin says, listen, it's the first time that this happened to me. I arrived two minutes late for a meeting, been in the league for nine years. And once again, it's the first time that this happened to me. And once again, it was two minutes late. But you know what? I have to. Uh, you know, the rule is the rule and it's non-negotiable and the coach is right. And uh, you know what? I had to just be there and just support my teammates. And and uh, do we still have more from Jonathan Drouin? I think we might have one more. It's the same one. It's the same one. Okay, so forget about that. All right, anyway. It, it, there was more from Marty. Do you want to sum up what Marty said after the game? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, just just very briefly, he said, you know, Tough situation, obviously, and Jonathan handled it like a true pro. He was cheering on his teammates, and as far as I'm concerned, it's over with. He said that he loves the way Drew has played, that he loves the kid, and that he's really impressed with his attitude. And, you know, that's that. Just so people are aware. And and I want to address one thing in this because, you know, you know how Twitter is and you know how social media is and you know how the fan base is in general. Um, you know, there are people out there and people, ex-employees of the Canadians, whatever it is. If Jonathan Drouin comes out and says, this has never happened to me in my nine years in the NHL. He knows that if somebody else knows that it has, it'll get out there. So he is like, you could take him at his word on that. He is not a habitual late to the party. This or that. I understand what Jonathan drew is. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You open the door. I'm going to walk right through it. Okay. The people you're referring to, if I can, former equipment manager, Pierre Gervais, who by the way, still works for the Montreal Canadians. He gives tours of the dressing room in the building to to, 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 to to corporations who want to have them, and former Montreal Canadiens goalie coach Stefan Waite, who works in the media right now, said, this is Jonathan Drouin. This guy has a habit of being late everywhere he goes type of thing, right? Yeah. And Drouin said, wanted to reinforce that first time it ever happened to him. So continue now, just so yeah, you know. Well, I'm just going to say, like, if the kid says that he never has been before, he's never been disciplined before, you know, before this, and we know what the custom is around the NHL when these things happen. Yeah. These things happen, you sit a game. That's that's yeah. basically how it works. Trotz did it with it's Ovechkin. How, he, exactly. It, it happened with Alex Ovechkin, and it happens every year to somebody. I'm not trying to diminish it. Jonathan Drouin messed up. He made a mistake. It was probably accidental. It doesn't really matter if it's accidental or on purpose or whatever it is. There's no dog ate my homework kind of excuse in the working world, let alone in the NHL. And he paid the consequences for it. But like, you know, with respect to Jerv and Stefan Wade, like shoveling dirt on him, you know, and he's been publicly embarrassed. Like, I think that's cheap and like dirty, honestly. And I don't mind saying that. I, I have no problem saying that. I, you know, I have a very good relationship with Pierre Gervais and I have tons of respect for him. Uh, you know, Stefan Wade never had an issue with, but, you know, if they want to come out and say that this has been a, you know, habitual thing with Jonathan Duran when he has never had this issue before uh, and it's never surfaced in any other situation where he's been benched from a game for these types of reasons and he's coming out and saying it himself, like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I think that's cheap. Yeah, so now here's my opinion on this. I don't think Pierre Gervais should have said anything because Pierre Gervais, correct me if I'm wrong, he does not work in the media. And you know what? He, he probably, 
there's probably a lot of things that people can say or former players can or players can say about him and you don't hear them talking so I don't think he should have said anything I don't as for Stefan Wade he's working in the media now and because he's working in the media if he saw something before I think he's allowed to speak now just because he's both of them can say whatever they want. The same way I could say that I think it's a cheap shot from of course, of course, of course. But I don't think Gervais should have. I have no problem that Stefan Wade did. Having said that, it doesn't mean, and you're right about this, it doesn't mean because Stefan Wade said it that it's true. Like Stefan Wade also said, with all due respect to Stefan, that he knows Carrie Price like the back of his hand. And Carey Price uh, is time away from the uh, from the team uh, was not because of a substance abuse. And then we found out that, you know, uh, he told Arpin Basu that, you know, there was an issue with alcohol. Stefan Waite also told us that based on his information that uh, Carey Price was going to be back at some point to play. Anyways. And based on everything we're hearing, it doesn't look like that's the case. So, I'm sure you'd agree anyway, we don't have to relitigate any of that stuff. No, no, no. And so it, this is not to – this is this is just to be fair. Uh, I think he's entitled to his opinion because he works in the media. Sure. But like you said, it, it doesn't mean he's right. Yeah, no, everybody's entitled to their opinion. My opinion is, you know, a guy in Jonathan Drouin made a mistake, owned up to the mistake – is being is gone through something that is a public embarrassment and you have two people shoveling dirt on him like it's cheap to me like in a, that, was, would, that was that was that's i find that tough eh? being benched for an entire game because the camera's on you all the time and they're showing you're benched and the whole fan base and the whole city and everyone is talking about him being benched and we all know of course, the past couple of years uh, with mental health, there's been some issues there with with some anxiety. It's been difficult for exactly. Jonathan. This is this is not easy. And I, look, I'm torn too because you know I agree with the decision that Marty St. Louis took, but because of what the last two years have looked like for Jonathan, it's it's tough. It's tough to talk about it because you don't, I don't want Jonathan. Want, I don't think Jonathan wants to be treated differently than any of his teammates would have been in that situation. And the situation was peculiar in particular in that Caden Gooley got hurt. They didn't have more than six defensemen with them once he did, and they only had twelve forwards. And the decision by Marty was not to humiliate Drouin or put him in a worse situation than he was already in. It was. If I need to use him, I'm not going to shortchange my team. It turned out they had a competitive game. They went 3-2 to the third period and didn't need to use him. And, and so that was met out instead of something that drags on for days and days. And I have no doubt that Marty St. Louis you know, thought about this quite a bit, that, that he went through quite a bit of consternation about the decision that he was faced with. But it's important that he upheld a standard that he has set as a non-negotiable on his team. If Nick Suzuki had done this, if this had happened with Nick Suzuki, he would have been in the same situation. It would have been dealt with the same way. I have not even the slightest bit of doubt about that. And so in the end, we're making a, a big thing out of something. I mean, I don't know where these opinions come from. Oh, you know, Marty did the wrong thing because he's a rookie coach. I mean, it's it's so ridiculous, some of the things that get said in this market. It makes me laugh. Like, honestly, I, I, it's fine. You know, you work with uh, Jean Charles. He has a right to his opinion. He's got a lot of them. He speaks passionately with them and in and, and beautiful prose and all that. To me, like, 
I, when I hear stuff like that, I almost wonder, like, does he actually believe this? Like, or is he just trying to cause a whole stink about something? Like, to me, it's it's a joke. Like, no, no. But hold on a second. He could he could believe it. I mean, because in all his opinions, like, I'm because, not look, because here, but like, seriously, like, yeah, well, because because some believe that, you know, benching a player an entire game is humiliating. Some believe that if you bench a player an entire game, well, then. Others have to end up playing more, so you're actually penalizing everyone, not he, only the player. Do you believe that he would have put, been put in the game if he was needed in the game? There's no, no other reason for him to be dressed. If if Marty St. Louis felt that, you know what, we're short-staffed here, we're 11 forwards, and we're sucking wind, and we need to play, that's why he was dressed. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't look, I, I don't know about that. I, what I do know is I don't have a problem with the decision. I'm one of those where there's a team rule. There's a consequence. He made him pay the price. I'm good with it. Now, I think what would have happened is a lot of guys really would have had to be sucking wind for him to play Drew Wayne because I think he wanted to really make his point. But, you know, and I know, look, I know Norma Flynn is not here to defend himself, but Norma said on RDS the other night, he doesn't like it. He believes that if this is happening to one of your teammates, Nick Suzuki should have gone to Marty St. Louis and should have said, you're embarrassing him by doing this. You're humiliating him by doing this. It's a mistake. It could happen to anybody. And uh, you know what? Why don't uh, why don't we handle it internally? And Norma didn't like the fact that Marty went to the media with it and thought that it should have been handled all internally. Look, it's an opinion I don't agree with, but I respect it. I don't think it was a comfortable day for Jonathan. I don't think it was a comfortable day for Marty, but the team has its concepts and its principles in place to be respected at all times. And this is a consequence that is age old. The fact that it played out the way it did was circumstantial. Like I said, like I said, there is no other reason for him to be dressed other than if they need to use him, he will play. It's why when Marty was asked about it, he said, I'm not sure how it's going to be handled. Because under normal circumstances with their rule, he just yeah. would have been sitting out of the game. So yeah. for me, it's it's done with. Both of them handled it literally as well as, as well as you possibly could under those circumstances. It could have become something that you could look back on and say, this was a mistake. If Drew didn't handle it properly, if the team didn't react well to it, if but at the end of the day, you know, they've moved on from it. We probably should too. I like I said. I think Jean-Charles, Norman Flynn, great. They have opinions. They voice them, and they stand behind them, and I have no issue with that whatsoever. But sometimes I have a feeling like when I'm in this market and hearing some of these things, it it honestly feels like people just trying to stir something up just because they have they want to talk about it that much more. Yeah. Like it's how genuine is that? Like if you think about it thoroughly enough and, and know the actors and what's going on with it, I, I – I'm not sure how you come up with these kind of conclusions. Now, if somebody feels it's a mistake and it was handled the wrong way, you know, I, I'm sure they're not alone. I'm sure they're not alone. I'm giving you my opinion and I'm standing firmly behind it. I think it was handled the way it would have been handled pretty much anywhere by anybody in those situations, both parties involved. And I, good for Drouet for sitting there, taking it, and not being a baby about it, sitting with a you know, a bad face on, but yeah. urging his teammates, all of them lauding him for that. This is to me, 
solidarity. It's how you grow as, as mm -hmm. a team. I don't think you hope for these situations to arise. Um, but they happen and they happen every year. And that was what I was trying to say about this on Twitter. This happens every year, whether you hear about it as much or not, like every year in one team or another, somebody is late to a meeting and pays the price for it. And publicly it's happened with some high profile player, one with a really high profile player in Alex Ovechkin and one in a really high profile market where there's going to be a million questions yeah. about why it, is it just... not dressed? Why isn't he at practice? Why isn't he? And, and if they say nothing, the speculation yeah. becomes all about, Oh, you know, he's injured in this and that. And they're, they, you know, because they're being accused of lying all the time. Yeah. They don't want to lie. They're just going to say, this is what it is. And everybody on the team needs to know that this is how it will be handled. So, who does it. so, so I think you may, you raised some excellent points tonight as usual, but I will say this. And by the way, I don't have no problem with the way it was handled. I think it was handled well, and some will disagree and we'll tackle that. Um, I'll say this. Um, the problem when it comes to Drouin, he comes with some baggage. He's already been labeled before coming here that there was an attitude problem, there was a maturity problem, and six years later where you would have hoped that he would have put up better numbers and things would have gone better, the fact that it happened to him and he's the only player that it happened to this year um, that was either benched or scratched because of being late for a meeting and his immediate response was to let everyone know, and I like Jonathan, and it hurts me to say this, but I'm just, I'm giving you my opinion here. The first things out of his mouth to let everyone know was, yeah, I arrived two minutes late for a meeting, and it's, you know, the first time that this happens to me in nine years, and once again, you know, I was late two minutes for a meeting, and, uh, and, but then he went on to say, you know, coaches have a rules and this and that, and I got to respect it. And I understand everything. It just, I don't think it looks good when he wants to reinforce twice in the first 20 seconds of what he's saying that he arrived two minutes late for the meeting and that it's the first time that it ever happened to him. I think he just, it would have looked better for him if he would have said, Hey, I was late for a meeting. There's team rules. And there's consequences, and I paid the price. And you know what? Marty took the right decision because that's just the way it is. Bottom but line, he deserved to pay the price for it. He he made a mistake on purpose or not, accidental, doesn't matter. There's no disagreeing with that. Like, this is just what it is. And it is very unfortunate that he came with, he comes with a reputation and, and this baggage, and that he's got to wear that in all places in Tampa. You know, where he obviously had an acrimonious relationship with the Lightning coming in yeah. as an overall pick and got himself essentially traded out of town. Not, you know, I, I it was a long, drawn-out thing that left a lot of people wondering, like, does he have an attitude problem, this or that? And the past has not cast a favorable light on the player. Realistically, like watching him this season taking into account that he's got one goal on the season, which he should have more, but he doesn't. And he, you know, I'm sure he'd love to have more, but he doesn't. He has played for the most part, like Martin St. Louis said, well. He has been a positive contributor in terms of the way he's played and his attitude and the way he shows up every day at practice. And he's usually the first guy on the ice and one of the last guys to leave. And 
players have told me, younger players on the team, about how he's served as a mentor to them. This is the stuff that when stuff like this happens, like happened on Saturday night and Friday afternoon, is completely overshadowed and not discussed. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. But Jonathan, you know, he can't take back what happened and he has to live with it. And now it's over with and they'll move on. You know, the Canadians will move on. Marty St. Louis will move on. Jonathan Drew will move on. St. Louis has had nothing but good things to say about the way he handled it and the way he's been this year as a pro. Yeah. And you could either take that with a grain of salt and continuously come back to whatever the reputation is or outside yeah. perception. Yeah. Or or you can take it at face value. It's yeah. It's anybody's uh, choice. Alfred Vegas says, Tony, the second the trade was done, you said that you thought Jonathan Drewing would be one of the best power play players in the league. And you were wrong about that. Well, Alfred, like I just uh, texted back that, yeah, you know what? I, I don't need you to remind you, remind me, Alfred. I know exactly what I said. Look, Jonathan Drewing was coming off a season with the Tampa Bay Lightning as a young player in his early 20s, where he had picked up 53 points. I think he had picked up something like 14 and 17 playoff games or 17 and 14 or 14 something and like that. 14 and 17. You know what? And he got smoked. Yeah. Smoked by Thomas Hickey. Yeah. Broke yeah. his nose and never left the game. Came yeah. back. And 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 uh and you know what? And uh so on yeah, I, I thought was he was gonna be great, but I thought he was gonna be so good, Tony. When he was drafted, yeah. I thought he had the potential to be right up there with McKinnon as one of the best, if not the best player in that draft. When he was traded to Montreal after that playoff run, I said myself, I think he could be one of the best centers the Canadians have had in a very long time. Yeah, um, it's funny to me right now watching him play this year, despite what his goal category looks like. There's another category in assists and everything and the way he plays. I actually think that he's proven this year that he is a good centerman. Um, it's, it's just, I, I think there's a lot more that goes into being an elite, amazing hockey player. And for whatever yeah. reason, those things haven't been there coupled with what is very clearly elite talent with this player and a guy who yeah. loves the game loves, you know, I, I was guilty myself wondering around the trade deadline, how much does he still want this? Does he still want to do yeah. it? And I asked him, I said, you know, for anybody who's who's doubting, uh -huh. you still want to continue beyond this year when your contract expires. He said, I'll uh -huh. do this until they until they take it away from me. I wow. I, I love wow. this. I watch more Good. video than anybody you can ask me. So I just think there's two sides to everything. I yeah. think the reputation has been earned to a degree. Yeah. I think some of it, it has overshadowed what he actually is too. And yeah. one thing is certain, the talent that he has, which is enormous, has not been met by him reaching no he's never played to no you're right about that and eric same thing probably happened to you but i had people very very close to him part of his entourage whisper in my ear that he really wanted to play for the montreal canadians he was up to the challenge he can play under the pressure of montreal he was a perfect fit for the entire situation and adam lancaster says tony was wrong about the trade no tony was not wrong about the trade because i never thought uh, giving up Sergachev was a good idea, right? But I really did want Jonathan Droy in the Neither did Mark Bergman. Yeah. They so. didn't want to give him up. They could have had Jonathan Droy before that whole at the trade deadline and didn't want to give up Mikhail Sergachev. And if you remember that season, Mark Bergman said over and over again he didn't want to give up Mikhail Sergachev for anything. But they also, the Canadians went into the playoffs. Alex Radulov had, I think it was six points in six games. The Canadians scored 11 goals. Price had a 933 save percentage. 
and uh, they lost in less than seven games because they couldn't score and had the fourth best defensive team in the NHL. So yeah, we all knew what Sergeyev. Mark Bergevin knew what Sergeyev was going to be before he traded him. Yeah, it also um, coincided, Eric, with uh, some Lozers were up for renewal of season tickets. It didn't look like they were renewing. They wanted to have those Lozers full. And, uh, and you know what? The fan base was clamoring for a French superstar. So, uh, and like you said, they thought they were probably going to lose Radulov. And so, add it all up, they made that deal. Okay. Uh, this was a lot of fun. 50 minutes you're with me. Thank you very, 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 very much. It's the Canadians and the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night in Montreal. And then in a couple of nights from now, the Canadians are going to visit Jim Montgomery and the Boston Bruins. That one should be a good one, too. Eric, if all goes well, we'll talk to you again next week. Same time, same place. Cool? All right. Sounds good, Tony. Be well. Merci beaucoup. There you have it. Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Now, I saw one gentleman, a friend of mine, who's also in the media, put up some comments on Facebook saying, um, uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't like, uh, what Marty St. Louis did. So I reached out to him and I said, all right, uh, take it to the show. Take it to the sick podcast. Do we have him? Is he there? If so, there he is. Look at this piece of work. Guarda, do. Guarda, Tony. guarda, guarda. It's been what too a, long, Tony. What a beauty. What a beauty. What a beauty. George, Clo uh, George Clooney joining us tonight. Yeah, yeah, George Clooney, eat your heart out. Yeah, do me a favor. Put your phone. You're on your phone right now. Your tablet, yeah. your phone. Yeah, just put it sideways. Okay. Yeah. Look at that. Look at look at that. There we go. Ah, ah. Brandon Kelly of the Montreal Gazette and what the puck? What's what's going on with you? When was the last time you were on the sick podcast? It's been too long. You lost my phone number, I think, Tony. No, no, I haven't. No, I'm I've kidding. Trying. We've been trying. We've been trying for a really long time, and uh, uh, hasn't been working out. So I'm super happy uh, yeah. to finally make it here. You weren't incarcerated or anything, were you? And uh, no, I mean they're no. on my uh, trail, but they haven't caught me yet. So we're we're probably good for tonight, I would say. I hope you got a good lawyer. Okay. Um, so what what was that you were writing up a storm there on Facebook? It seems like you don't like uh, the way the Jonathan Drouin situation was handled on Saturday night. Talk to me, okay. brother. Talk to me. So so look, I mean, so backdrop. I'm not a Jonathan Drouin fan. I think it is. I mean, I know you were talking about that at length with Eric. I I think it's the worst trade that Mark Bergevin made. It's a terrible trade. It was a bad idea. Uh, you know, you know, Jonathan Drain's got one goal in the last, what, 14 months. So I'm not a fan. But what I didn't like is, and I get it, that, that you know, they were going to make him a healthy scratch. And then Caden Gooley uh, got injured. And so they had to sit him on the bench. You know, given once that had happened, I think a more savvy coach would have said, you know what? I get it. I should punish him. And and I agree with both you and Eric. Yes, the guy has to be punished for being late for a meeting. But to have him sit on the bench for the whole game and to have the can camera continually panning to him, it was a humiliation. It was too much. It really, that's not what he needed to do. Find another way to punish him, whether it's maybe you sit him uh, Tuesday night in Montreal. But to have him on the bench, that is a humiliation. And uh, I thought it was too much. And I mean, on top of that, we are dealing with, you know, someone who's a little bit fragile. I, I thought I thought he went too far. There's something we haven't discussed. 
kind of feel bad bringing it up because I have no idea whether it's true or not. It's just, it's a hypothetical, okay? Is it possible that Marty St. Louis reacted the way he did? And, and personally, I don't have a problem with his decision to begin with. But for those who have a problem, is it possible that he reacted the way he did because this is not the first time with Droy? And now Pierre Gervais said, <laughs> Jonathan Drouin, you know what? This is, this is him. This is who he is here. He arrives late. Stefan Waite said the same thing. I said to Eric, I didn't like that Pierre Gervais talked about it because Pierre Gervais is actually still working for the Montreal Canadiens and giving tours of the locker room and giving tours of the Bell Center to the corporate community and stuff like that. So he's not in the media. I have no problem that Stefan Waite talked about it. I have no problem at all that he did because he is in the media. But Stefan Waite, since he's been in the media, has been wrong with a couple on a couple of occasions regarding certain issues with Carey Price. Maybe he's wrong regarding Jonathan Joy. Well, it's hard to say, you know, like when you, when you do get into that sort of what happened behind the scenes, we will never really know. And, you know, Pierre Gervais had, uh, yeah, it's a pretty gossipy book he had there and really took some uh, mega pot shots at uh, Dominic Ducharme and was a little bit of a dirty pool there, I would say, uh, though I'm not a Dominic Ducharme fan either. Um, so who really knows, right, uh, Tony? I mean, I think that... Uh, who, um, who, who, are, who are you a fan of? Like, I, I read your articles, What the Puck, and uh, I don't think you're a fan of anybody. I mean, I'm starting to get well, worried that you're not a fan of, you're not a fan of uh, me either. I, uh, yeah, that's why I keep saying how much I like you, Tony. I mean, obviously, you haven't been reading What the Puck for a couple of years because I've had yeah. very little negative to say about Jeff Gorton and Kent Hughes, and I love Martin St. Louis, and I love the direction the team's going in, but, you know, still, I mean, what, are you a fan of Jonathan Drouet? I mean, seriously, I mean, it's, it's, the guy's been a disaster for the team. I, you know, he's, uh, he's, am I a fan of Pierre Gervais? Not particularly. I thought he's played. Was, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan's played, I think, good hockey in the last 20 games, but the too little, too late, on, unfortunately. Give me, give me a break. I mean, like, too it's little, very funny. Eh? You know, it, it's like, Everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's playing better hockey. It's like when Gomez scored one goal in a year, the whole city was in, on fire, and Jonathan Duran scores one goal in 14 months. It's okay. He's getting better. He's like, yeah, come on. I mean, it's like I don't want to beat up on the guy. And then as I'm saying, I think that Martin St. Louis kind of did. But, like, I mean, come on. The guy was supposed to be the the French-Canadian savior. You said it yourself a few minutes ago. And he's got yeah. one goal in over a year. I mean, all right, so, it's so, yeah, so um, uh, Jonathan Drouin is among the worst goal scorers on the Montreal Canadiens. The only guy who actually scored less playing a lot of games uh, is uh, is Chris Weidman. Weidman played 37 games. He's got zero goals. He's a depth defenseman. And Jonathan Drouin played 46 games. He's got a goal. So in terms of goals, you're absolutely right. But this is what you didn't say. This is what you didn't say. Who's he got the most assists on the Montreal Canadiens? Who's got the most assists on the Montreal Canadiens? Just, just throw out a name. Uh, Suzuki. Okay, you're right. Who's number two? Jonathan Drouet. That is correct. There's My no. God, you, you impressed me that you got that one right to tell you. The 20 truth. assists, I think, if I'm not so, mistaken. So he's got 25 assists, okay? So he's got seven less assists than Suzuki. 
He's played 24 less games. He's got two assists more than Kirby Doc. He's played eight less games. He's got uh, seven assists more than Christian Dvorak. He's played 20 less games. So when I say that Jonathan Drouin has played better in the last 20 games, he has. It's you a tr- fact, Brendan. It's a fact. You, know, it's you a fact. say that's not true. It's a fact. It's a fact for sure. But I mean, it's like, you know, to be the leading scorer on the Montreal. When, when, I, when I have said that I was the greatest thing to hit English sports radio in the last 20 years, it's not an opinion. It's a fact. It's a fact. You're a legend, Tony. That's what, like, you know. Well, you well, look, 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 hold on, hold on, hold, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. When the Canadians game was over, hey, when the Canadians game was over and they either had, like, they lost big or they won big. People went to bed at night saying, I can't wait to listen to Marinero tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. That's right. We miss you. We miss you at 10 o'clock. With all due respect to everyone, and I respect everybody, I don't know if they do that with everybody else. You know what I mean? But I know they did it with me. And I know they followed because they're here on the podcast. So, yeah. A false debate here, Tony. Yeah, no one yeah, argues yeah. about the worth of Tony Marinaro. Ah, the, you're so nice. It's, you're so nice. It's the Montreal so Canadiens. No, but look, you're so I'm, nice I'm, when I do my own horn and and you I'm, actually toot it for me. What a good guy! I love this guy, man. Look at him with the hair and everything. Hey, by the way, what is the secret to having that the uh, there that you have that is just like it's they're so alive. Know, there's life. There's life in I've here. Got, I've got a team of coiffeurs, Tony, and I spend a lot yeah. of money. To get that rolled out of bed, look, it doesn't come easy, let me tell you. Okay, so now, can I share my secret with you? Because my hair is not too shabby itself, <laughs> looking, okay? Looking good. You're you're okay. actually got a hairstyle than okay. I do. Okay, I want to I wanna share my secret with you. If you want, I'm going to leave the screen for about 20 seconds, okay? 20 seconds or so, okay? So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the way I'm dressed. You're going to tell me what you think. But I'm going to go get a product. That my, 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 you're doing a hairstylist. I'm going to get you a product that my hairstylist gave me. I want to show you what I put in my hair. Okay. But wow. in the meantime, in the meantime, look at this. Look at, like, what did I do? Huh? Wow. Nice, huh? You're being, you know, you're being wasted sitting down, Tony. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> what do you think? I, I'm astonished. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm going to go get, I'm gonna go get that product. I'll be back in a second. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Wow. It, it, Tony's just, uh, Tony's just walked out on us live in the podcast. I am super impressed. I don't think this happens with any of his other correspondents. And I doubt actually there's such an in-depth discussion about hairstyle. I mean, Amazing. And maybe potentially Tony's not even coming back. Um, I'm getting a little worried. Like, where is that hair product? And uh, does he have to go back to LaSalle to get it? That's uh, the question. Tony! No, he's gone. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, Tony. I mean, this is live podcasting. I was going to say at its best, but I'm not sure it's at its best. It's on the edge, there's some sound. Is that Tony coming back? <laughs> there he is. 
That's your hair product? It's like a, like a jug of something. Okay, full disclosure, uh, full disclosure, when I went to the bathroom, I did number one, okay? Okay. Yeah, flush the toilet, wash my hands with soap, okay? Right. So this is what my barber gave me, okay? Washroom right now? Uh, yeah, I just went to the washroom, yeah. This is Hair Alive Luxury Conditioner. What? So my hairstylist. 16 gallons? This is, um, it's uh, 3.78 liters. Right. I think I bought it 10 years ago. Right. And I think I still have more than half the bottle because this is a very, very big bottle. All you do is, and out of all the products, he told me the best product to put in my hair is conditioner. Take a little bit like this. Yeah. Just like that. See that? Yeah. Look at that, huh? Incredible. What do you think? How often you have to do that every hour during the day? No, no, no. You put it on once and it'll once. maintain this wet look for the entire day. No, but maintain I, this wet look for the entire day. I do it once a day. Wow. But yeah, it, no, it works. Your look was shorter on the sides, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, I, I don't actually even do it every day. If I'm going, like, out to a nice place and stuff like that, I'll have the wet look. But if I'm not, I might not even put anything in it. But you know what? That's that's what I put in. So I just I gave away my secret, okay? Oh. I, I gave away my secret. The right, only okay. I that out from you. Like, who else would get that information out of you? Yeah, no, I listen, I have no problem sharing my secrets, you know, right. in terms of uh, I have no problem. At the end of the day, people can do the same thing that I do. At the end of the day, I'm Marinero, and there's one Marinero. You understand what I'm saying? I can give away all my secrets, all I want, this, that, what, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No doesn't one matter. can copy it. No one yeah. can copy it. I know, I know that. Yeah, okay, so now. I want you to listen to what, and, and yeah, by the way, you're right. Some of your articles have been better. You really had it out for Mark Bergevin, though, eh? He must be reading I, your articles right now, and he must be saying, what did I ever do to this Brendan guy? Well, you know what's funny uh, is, so. By the, by the, by the way, be, be, hold, on, hold on a sec. You're driving me crazy now. Do you have one of these tripods for your phone? Do you have one? No. Okay. I it costs $20 on the internet because you're going up and down with that phone. You're starting to get me dizzy. Like this? What are okay. we doing over here? Yeah, you know what? Maybe. Um... But what do we. But look, 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 look. Look. Look at that. That's okay. It. Look at that. How about that? Look how nice this is. Look, look. You can go like this. You can go like this if you wanted to. Well, look, look. I don't know what was going on, you know. But. Right. Uh, no, okay. but so, thing about Mark Bergman. I was raging against Bergman. True, and yeah. what happened as soon as he left? You yeah. know, then everyone agreed. Everyone all of a sudden said, "Yeah, he was absolutely terrible." And I was kind of the lone wolf in the woods, yeah. saying it. You said it occasionally, but then you tried to suck up to him. But I didn't, and uh, I was right. And everyone else eventually agreed. Am I right? Am I right, or am I right? Does anyone have anything nice to say about him now? Not so much. What, what, you know, where you were wrong is even when yeah. he did a good move, you always kept on harping on the bad moves. 
No, no, I was a little rough, but if you a little back, rough, not go back there too too much. But is was that a good era? Are we dealing with a nice fallout from that? The team is last place last year, fifth from last this year because of the terrible things that he did to the team. I mean, that's a fact. He went, he went all in the year before he got to the team to the Stanley Cup in. final, but unfortunately, they ended up playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the final. That's it. Was that was an illusion. We've been through that before. That was an it illusion. was an illusion. It was an illusion. All right, okay. Oh, come on. I mean, anyways, whatever. He went all in every year. There was never a plan, and the COVID year, the, everything came together, and... Uh, yeah. It was a great run. Listen, They don't beat... They don't... Listen, it was a year of... It was obviously an amazing year. They beat Toronto in the playoffs the way they did. It was incredible. No, uh, down, down three games... Down. Down three games to one. They win in seven games. Then they sweep the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they they beat the Vegas in six, and they go to the final versus Tampa Bay, and they lose in five. But, you know, you talk about illusion, but I'll talk about Peter from Coach St. Luke. Team concept, totally motion and motivation. They tried it. It didn't work. And then when they're down three games to one, what does Peter do? He calls the best sports radio show in the country, and he right. says that he's figured it out the Canadians should double shift their best players. And luckily for the Canadians, Toronto didn't double shift their best players. The Canadians did. The Canadians ended up winning seven games. That's all. Peter I'll, from tell, Coaching. I'll tell Mitch Melnick, you think his show is the best show in the uh, country. Which show? You just said Mine? the best show in the country. And I said, I'll tell Mitch, you just uh, paid tribute. It's a joke. So yeah, I know, but listen, I, I love Mitch. I think he's got a great thing going. He's, uh, you know, I, this is the way I look at it, right? It's the way I look at it. Uh, you know, when there's, when you go to the opera, right? Right. You go to the opera, there's the guy that makes it all happen, right? The leader, right? The guy was, what is he? What is he? What is he? The guy, the, the, the guy there, the what do you call him? The conductor. The conductor. I don't even think that's his name, but hey, someone's going to help us out here. I mean, I, I don't know what these what these titles are or whatever, right? But there's the conductor, right? And 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 that guy, you know, the conductor, the maestro, right? And you know, that guy makes sure that it's all basically poetry in motion, basically the whole night, right? Yeah. But you know, then there's Pavarotti, and the people they come to see Pavarotti. The tenor, right? Not the maestro, you know. So that's what I think. I emphasize the word "show." By the way, show, show, showman, show, showman. Absolutely. Mitch is the best. You know what? What? I love Mitch. Taking, take, Mitch. Taking, taking. I, I love. I love Mitch too. Uh, one of my, one of my, one of my very good friends. Um, Mitch is a, a star at taking music, the right music and finding the right music for the right segment. At that, he's absolutely unbelievable. In terms of his ability uh, during interviews, absolutely unbelievable. But in terms of you go to bed at night and you're getting ready to listen to somebody the next day? You go to bed at night dreaming of someone. You know? It's Marinero. You're, you're, a good you're, guy. Anyways, you're you're a good guy. You know what? To just finish what I was yelling at you is they didn't beat Toronto. You think Toronto Mitch is gonna lost. come on one day? You think Mitch is gonna come on with me one day or what? Out? 
No, on the podcast, on the sick podcast. Right? Mitch does what he likes. It's Mitch Melnick, man. Yeah, that's right. Of course. Of course, he can do whatever he wants. Unfortunately, I couldn't. But good for him. All right, okay. But uh, like I said, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. It all worked out very, very nicely. There's worse things in life than staying home, answering a phone, going on for about 13 minutes, and getting a full-time salary. It's a beautiful thing. God love it. All right, okay. Jonathan Drouin, did you hear his answer? Did you hear his answer on Saturday yeah. night after the game when he was asked about his thoughts about what happened and him being benched? Did you hear his answer? Yes. You have it? Yes, let's listen to it again. Journée passée, j'ai manqué de meeting. Je suis arrivé en retard deux minutes. C'est ma neuvième année nationale. Ça m'est jamais arrivé dans ma carrière. C'est pas que ça arrive sur toi, pas, mais on a des règles d'équipe, des choses où tu suis. Peu importe c'est qui, je serais la même réaction que soit quelqu'un d'autre. C'est arrivé à moi. Tu continues à vivre, tu continues à bouger avec ça. Je pense que le sport n'est pas occupé avec tout ça. C'est la première fois que ça m'arrive en avant. All right, okay. Uh, so he only said he was two minutes late once. I thought it was twice, but uh, he basically said, listen, I was two minutes late for a meeting, and um, and uh, it's the first time it's ever happened to me, and uh, nine years I've been playing in the league, and, um, you know, but, you know, there's there's team rules, and, um, you know, you got to respect them, and there was consequences, and uh, I understand it, and uh, once again, it's the first time that it happened to me in nine years in the league. Um, what did you think of his response? Well, I think, you know, he said all the right things. Uh, the, uh, your colleague at BPM Spall, uh, Gilbert Delorme, had a great line this morning, and he played with Larry Robinson, and he said, Larry said, if you're not five minutes early, you're five minutes late. So, you know, you got to show up in time for those meetings. And actually, Gilbert went on to say he had a great story, you know, and he said, uh, like, he would go in and you'd have, he said, the games used to be at 8 o'clock, as you know, and they'd have, yeah. like, you'd be there at 6 and he said, you go in at six and you look in, in the room and sitting there in the locker room was Guy Lafleur. Like he'd come an hour early. Um, but you know what? I mean, it's, 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 it, it is interesting that it happened to Jonathan Drouin, who like, I, you know, you say it's the only time that it happened this year. But correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I can't remember the last time a player was publicly benched for being late for a meeting in the last five to ten years i mean doesn't spring to mind and the fact that it happened to drouin who there's so many questions about his commitment right i mean remember what happened with him and steve eiserman right they got into yeah. and there was a similar kind of dispute when he was in junior hockey where he refused to with, with the tampa bay lightning where he he'd refused to report to the ahl team and was suspended so those kind of issues have always been hovering around Jonathan Drouin, even the way he plays, right? There's always a question of his commitment to the game. He doesn't go into the corners. He doesn't go to the tough places. I'm not saying it's all valid, but those questions have all been there. So it's kind of ironic that it comes up here. And I just think, like, I get it. You need to have discipline. Um, you need to show the younger guys that you need to follow the rules. And there's, you know, a hockey team is not a democracy, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's absolutely hierarchical thing the boss is the coach and the coach's boss is the gm and everyone yeah. has to follow the rules i all i'm saying is you, you humiliated the guy a little too much by actually having him on the bench and i get that it was because of a technicality maybe you should have made him a healthy scratch on tuesday that's all i'm saying 
A shout-out to Matrix Home Fitness and matrixhomefitness.ca. Bring a club-quality workout uh, back to the comfort of your own home uh, with matrixhomefitness.ca, whether it's an elliptical, whether it's a, uh, a treadmill, whether it's a, uh, a rower, uh, a bike, you name it. Their, their, their equipment is strong, it's smart, and it's beautiful, just like Brendan Kelly. Look at him. Get Bill the Gabalucha that he has at that nice area. The conditioner. What do you put in your hair, by the way? What do you put? What do you put? I I, I just don't put anything. I you mean, don't put nothing. You just shampoo it and I go see my coiffure. But I get the it's the rolled out of bed look, Tony. It's worked yeah. for me many years. And uh, okay, do you um what do you see for Jonathan Drouin going forward? Nothing. I mean, I I like I I can't imagine him. You know, there's all that talk. Oh, make him a cheap uh, offer and he'll come back. It's a distraction that's not needed in the Montreal Canadiens, right? I mean, the only uh, mm-hmm. reason you'd want to keep them is because you need Francophone Quebecois players, but you can get other ones, and you'll have David Savard. And you know what? I don't think enough people talk about Mike Matheson as the concept of, one, he's been playing great in the last, since he came back. Oh, phenomenal. But but not only that, Tony, but it's a guy who speaks French who comes from the West Island. So it's fantastic. He's Quebecois, even if he's not a Francophone Quebecois, but he speaks French. Then yeah. God is Chez Nou. Um, yeah. But I can't see anything for Drouet. I, 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 and I, would any other team, What I mean, do you think another team would step? I can't see it. I mean, people don't need a guy like that in the lineup who yeah. scores one goal and a year and causes distractions and it's super complicated. And you know, it's an amazing story in terms of what a disaster of a career it was because this guy's picked, not, not only picked number three overall, but he was playing with Nathan McKinnon in the queue and was yeah, considered yeah. Like sort of just below Nathan McKinnon and look at the two careers. I mean, it's, uh, he's just been, and I don't say it with any happiness, you know, he had some yeah. good years Tampa. He had one great playoff run. He's had some good runs here in Montreal, but the inconsistency is is off the charts. Hey, some would say that if uh, Alex Galchenyuk got the call up with the Colorado Avalanche and that he's still in the league, that Jonathan Drouin will be too. If this is what his heart desires, I hope for him. And if he'd ever want to leave the National Hockey League, Switzerland is an amazing spot. You play about 55 or 56 games a year. I think you can travel all of Switzerland max in five hours. So you take the bus and you're in your own bed at night. It's The travel is absolutely amazing. I think they play a couple of games a week. Everyone loves playing in switzerland he's brendan kelly and by the way the first time i think it was the first time that i actually came across brendan kelly and i was like who is this guy he went to a pro a, pre, uh, a press conference in which um celine dion was speaking i think for you know for some sponsor and she was- uh yeah what was that she was at brown shoes she was launching her her line of handbags yeah, and you asked her a question, and she looked at him, and she said, are you asking me out? And he said, hey. Uh, Remember what I said to him? Remember yeah, I what I said? I think you said, uh, you know, I'm not doing anything. Let's go. Something like that, right? What did you say? Are you free tonight? Yeah. <laughs> what did she say? She said she was busy. And you know yeah. what? I'm still recovering from that. I mean, you what? You want to know why? Hey? You want to know why? Why? Because you didn't have this in your hair, my friend. Look well, at this. Look, not, look. Why did you not? Why are you only telling me about this conditioner tonight, Tony? Look at this. Tonight, Tony Marinero, I have changed your life. Tonight, I have changed your life. You see that? Again, you see it? Guarda do. Yeah. 
This, this is a miracle worker. Tonight, when I'm going to go to bed, which is going to be in about a minute or two from now, my wife's going to say to me, your hair smells amazing. And that's all it's going to take, Brendan. That's it. I won't even have to say a word. You're a legendary. But is it not dangerous to do it twice in one night? I mean, I'm no, not- no, no, no. It's not dangerous. This is this is very healthy for your hair. Very, very healthy for your hair. You can, and I didn't put that much anyway to begin with. But you know what? Listen, maybe we can get you uh, to become a regular contributor on the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro here. Absolutely. And in return, we can we can probably set you up with some conditioner. I, you know what? I I I probably need some conditioner. My hair is great, but yeah, it's missing something. It's yeah, missing that step would you like some uh, la bitta tb as well it's absolutely fantastic you can wash this down very very good you know what yeah can you send them over i love that beer i the IPA. do you like the beer really yes no no yeah, it's, a, it, it's a fantastic beer i have a case for i have a case of 12 for you right here okay, so i told mark andre perot i have to get him a case of 12 and i have a right. case of 12 for you as well what do you want to do you want to hook up tomorrow yeah absolutely Let's what do you talk. want to meet for you want to meet for lunch or and i'll bring you the case of beer um yeah let's talk i got uh you know yeah. a lot of uh going down to casual sport to interview fans for my what the puck fit let's talk let's talk in the morning. yeah yeah we should go to la cash together sure yeah never mind them you should do an interview uh, you know you should interview me we could write an article it's a podcast yeah naturally yeah last 28 days reached over 3.5 uh, 3.5 million homes by the way over 105,000 downloads thank you very much that's fantastic. No, in the uh, top in the top 1% of sports podcasts in the country. Thank you very much. You know what? I was on uh, Apple Podcasts the other day walking my dog, and I thought I'll yes. just in Montreal, Canada, and see what pops up. Yeah. Guess what popped up? The, the sick, sick podcast. podcast. Yeah. It's, if you take a look at the last year. Yeah. And you take a look at podcasts that talk Montreal Canadians. And you take a look at some of the highest rated. I mean, it's that's it's there. No, I think it's great. Yeah, big fan of like Maverick Independent Media. I think it's, it's great. Just, it's, listen, nowadays, and and it's 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 going to be like this for a very long time until something else comes in and changes the world. It's streaming on demand, streaming on demand. So you want to watch a Montreal Canadiens podcast? It's there. Boom. There's a Montreal Canadiens podcast. You want Montreal Canadiens talk? It's there. You want 30-minute talk? It's there. You want 60-minute talk? It's there. And you can watch it whenever you want, or you can listen to it whenever you want, and you can you can, you can can watch when you're at home, and, uh, and uh, you can watch it at night live at 10 o'clock. You can watch it a little bit later on. You can watch it whenever you want. That's the beauty. You can listen to it whenever you want. You can listen to it when you're at the gym. You can watch it when you're at the gym. This is it. This is where it's going. No, absolutely. And you, from, you know, from for you know, in in terms of advertising, right? If you're an advertiser, think about this, right? You um, you advertise on a podcast like this one, and you're on YouTube Live, you're on Facebook Live, you're on Twitter Live. The next day or the next couple of days, there's about three, four, five different clips from that episode that go out. Right, And then basically every podcast is in a library that if you ever want to go back and watch them, you can watch them in a week. You can watch them in two weeks. You can watch them in a month. You can watch them in two months. You can watch them in a year. They're always there. 
and you can listen to them in a week or two weeks or two months or in a year, and they're always there. So they're basically in a library. They're in a library, and that's repetitive advertising. It just keeps on coming up over and over and over and over again. And yeah. then, you know, the clips go on, on, on Instagram as well. They, we, we do clips on, on, on TikTok. It's a, uh, it's an advertiser's dream. We're living and it's a beautiful thing. I love it. The podcasting world is great. The only thing is, you know, I can't put the Felicity time music on the background or the Savabian music in the background because there's copyright. But other than that, it's a beautiful thing. So you're turning a profit. Hey, are you turning a profit? Now you want to know financials or what? Yeah, roughly. <laughs> How much money are you making, Tony? <laughs> I'm, Who else I'm, would ask you that? Come on, that's why you love me, Tony. So you, so you want me to answer that question? Sure. So you want me to be totally honest with you? Yeah. Okay. Um, probably more money than any sports radio host working at a radio station put together. Really? Wow. Do people think I'm stupid now? Wow. Well, you know, I, it's all like I, I've been doing this business. Hey, but... hey, do people think I'm stupid now? No. Did someone think you were stupid? Yeah. Stupid. No, no, I, I believe it. I mean, it's it's. Hey, uh... I'm working for Sammy Cavallaro two years ago in Yahoo Finance. Top 15 entrepreneurs in Canada under the age of 20. Ranked number four in Canada. You know what that means? No. That means he's doing okay for himself. Yeah, that's great. Happy to hear it. I stick with Sammy. It's always a good question. You ask people yeah. how much money they make. It's always a great question. Yeah, yeah, naturally. How much money you make exactly? Now, le less than you. You know what? I think you're right. <laughs> I know I'm right. <laughs> but I have more fun than you do, Tony. Uh, I bet you you don't. It is your hair is my hair is better. Hey, listen, you know what's important? I'll tell you what's important. What's important in life is doing something that you love. 100%. And even if you make less money than your neighbor, if you're doing something that you love, that's the most important thing. I've done what I love. When I when I when I worked in radio, I'm telling you for the first 10, 11, 12, maybe 13 years, based on what I was doing, I was probably making minimum wage or just over when I was working post-game shows and stuff like that, leaving my house at 6 o'clock, 6.15, 6.30 at night, coming back at around 12.30, the money I was making after taxes, considering that I had to put in gas too, probably minimum wage too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at one point, I, uh, I said, let's go for it. We went for it, and everybody's happy. Fantastic. Everybody's happy. It All right, but, which means... That's which means... Which means, if you want to go for lunch, lunch is on me. Perfect. Okay. Text you tomorrow. This guy's the best. He comes on. He asks me how much money I'm making. Have a good one. Better, I'll talk to you even soon. better. Tony answers. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> ciao, ciao. I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you tomorrow. There All you right. have it. Hey, Tony, man. Brendan Kelly, get Billigwish to Quawelio. What a beauty this guy is from the Montreal Gazette. And what the puck? Brendan, what are you asking me? What the puck? 
John Morris says, Tony, you're making less money than many YouTubers who play video games. Yeah, that you're you're absolutely right. There are some of these YouTubers who play video games and some of these people on Twitch and this and that and whatever. They're making big, big money. By the way, Logan Paul and Jake Paul, former YouTubers, absolutely brilliant, these guys. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. On that note, it's been a lot of fun. Guess what? We went overtime again. And Yellow's probably going to kill me. Let me bring up a Yellow and Sammy. Let me bring them up. Let me bring them up. Let me bring them up. Uh. <laughs> you have to get the bet or what? Yeah, exactly. Oh, the guy asked me how much money I'm making. I know. It was strange. It was a strange question, eh? But that's Brendan. But did you see the way I answered him with the way he got rattled after I told him what I told him? I think he was in shock. Yeah, he was. He was rattled. Know. He was rattled. <laughs> Sammy. Yeah. I love you, buddy. 50 50. No comment. He takes the fifth. There, Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro. Good night. The sick podcast will be back tomorrow night, 10 p.m. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. <laughs>